This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. Today is World Pancreatic Cancer Day. It's an opportunity to raise awareness and remind people across the globe just how deadly this disease can be. It's the only major cancer with a survival rate still in the single digits in Canada. That's 8%. And people don't know very much about it. And the symptoms are usually very vague until it's too late. Even GPs, even your doctor can have a hard time recognizing it. Now, as our listeners know, I am very fortunate to be one of very few survivors eight years this month. And believe me, I am just so grateful about that. But but I also want to recognize people who have lost loved ones and friends. Just last week, we lost our friend Aaron Neufeld, who appeared on this program last spring to tell his story. And I, I want to hear from you about your experiences with cancer, not just this kind. Going through cancer is something very tough And not necessarily just for the person going through it. It's difficult for the loved ones. Uh, It's confusing. It's heartbreaking. Uh, So we do want to hear from you today, especially if you've had an experience with pancreatic cancer, but again, not just that. And we are hopeful about the future. And the reason we are hopeful about the future is research for more treatments, for better treatments. Uh, Before we get to all that, I'd like to give the numbers out again, 416-360-0740 or toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Right now, I'm here with Pancreatic Cancer Canada's Executive Director, Michelle Capobianco. Hi, Michelle. Hi, Libby. And on the line from Montreal, Dr. George Zagopoulos, a hepatobiliary and transplant surgeon and researcher, from McGill University Healthcare. Hi, Dr. Zagopoulos. Hi, Libby. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Okay, well, so first we can start. We have a big announcement in terms of uh, research, and Pancreatic Cancer Canada has just approved a pan-Canadian research collaboration, and this is something that is going to be going on all across the country in one, two, three, four, five, six centers across the country. Um, Michelle just gave me that news when she walked through the door. And Dr. Zagopoulos, uh, what is your reaction to that? And, and what are you going to be doing to improve the odds for this disease? Well, I, we're, we're ecstatic. We're, we're very, very fortunate to have the support of Pancreatic Cancer Canada. Uh, this is the first pancreatic uh, cancer research initiative that spans the country, to my knowledge. Um, we're, we're, all, we're fortunate that we're a small community in Canada. Uh, however, we do have the geographic barriers uh, that, that keep us um, 
from collaborating um, when there's will to collaborate, and the Pancreatic Cancer Canada has come forward and has, has made that possible. This project that Pancreatic Cancer Canada will support does not necessarily only aim uh, to cure disease, uh, but, but aims to find better treatments uh, for those that present with advanced disease. Uh, focusing on precision medicine, or more commonly known, uh, personalized medicine. Yeah, it's it, it's first of all, I have to say this is my personal bias is that you know when people start talking about curing, curing in our lifetime, to me, that's marketing, and um, you know I think that largely cancer, all cancer, uh, is going to be. Uh, not curable for everybody, but but it can be a chronic disease, and and finding better treatments, you know, that hopefully will be a cure for some people. Um, Michelle, um, what's your reaction? I mean, we just approved. The, I'm on the board of directors of the charity, and we just approved uh, this research project over the last few days. It's really exciting for us. In the past, we had supported various smaller projects, but we had brought our medical advisory boards together and said to them, if we could come behind you, get together behind you in a larger way, what difference could be made in this with this disease? And they came back and said, we want you to recognize these centers of excellence across Canada and support us with a much larger multi-year grant. And we feel this will make a difference. And we had unanimous support from the board and we're moving forward with this. And we're excited to be putting all of our efforts towards something we feel is going to make a real difference in the short term. Okay. Well, and, and, George, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear uh, about this focus on people with advanced disease because the very sad fact is that most people have advanced disease by the time they're diagnosed. And part of the problem is that the, the symptoms are very vague and people don't know much about it. Um, what are the things that people should look out for that could be a symptom of pancreatic cancer? It's it's a hard question to answer, but most of the folks that walk into my office present with uh, weight loss. Um, unfortunately, by the time weight loss uh, is measurable, the uh, the disease is quite advanced. Um, new onset of diabetes. I think that is that is a a symptom that sometimes is simply attributed to. Um, diabetes coming on later on in life uh, because perhaps of some genetic predisposition to uh, having diabetes later on in life or, or lifestyle choices we make and, and, our, and our ways uh, about eating or, or exercising. But it's not infrequent that we see patients that come into the office and within the past six months or a year uh, have had a new diagnosis of diabetes. Uh, they, are, they are started on treatment, and then their appetite never really comes back. Um, they continue to lose weight, and eventually an ultrasound is, is had, and, and the GP sees a, an abnormality in the pancreas, and, and that sort of triggers the, the process to, um, uh, to getting more imaging and making a diagnosis. So that is one symptom that often is not uh, looked at uh, in a little more uh, detail. Now, patients present with pancreas cancer mostly in, in their um, 60s uh, or later. Uh, some folks, as you know, Libby, present a little younger. Yep. They have a strong <laughs> genetic predisposition. Um, the, other, the other symptom is pancreatitis. 
uh, I teach residents, fellows, and medical students that a pancreatitis episode in hospital that cannot be explained by common causes of pancreatitis warrants follow-up, uh, warrants an MRI at three months to make sure that there is full resolution of the pancreatitis, and it's not triggered by a small mass, a small uh, growth that is potentially treatable and curable at the time. So if there are two things that I've noticed over the last five years that I've been here in practice at McGill are, are those two symptoms that sometimes are, are not uh, looked in, in greater detail um, before they, they become uh, more pronounced and, and there's a trigger to uh, do more imaging and refer the patient on to a tertiary care uh, facility. What about jaundice? So jaundice is, is a common symptom uh, that, that presents, and if we're fortunate, it presents early on. Uh, so jaundice happens because the bile that, that is uh, brought from the liver uh, to the small intestine is, is, is not draining properly because the growth at the tail end of the bile duct um, is, is blocking drainage of the bile from the liver. So that growth could be because of a bile duct cancer, but more often it's because of pancreas cancer. Um, and, and that blocks drainage and the patient becomes uh, jaundice and that's, and that's a symptom. So it usually starts off with a change in, uh, in stool color. Uh, the stool becomes more pale. Uh, the urine then becomes darker. Classically, it's taught as Coca-Cola looking urine, followed by a tinge of yellow in the eyes. Um, and, and then uh, itchiness will start Folks complain of, of uh, scratching themselves and feeling quite itchy throughout their body. And within a week after that, they, they turn uh, frank yellow and jaundiced. Um, that could be an early symptom as well uh, because the growth could be very localized and, and cause a blockage of the bile duct. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's, uh, it's advanced disease. And most of the uh, tumors that are operable often do present with, uh, with jaundice early on. Okay. Michelle, um, 5,200 Canadians will be diagnosed with pancreatic cancer this year. You hear from a lot of them and a lot of the families. What are most of the things that you hear? Mostly we hear about a sense of shock. It, it seems to come out of the blue. They haven't heard about pancreatic cancer. They, if they have heard, they have a feeling that it's, it's, it's deadly. They are desperate. It's, it is. Yeah. It's, they're desperate for some answers for where to go, for what treatments. They want to know what we're doing about it, um, how, why we're, if we're fighting enough about it, why people don't know about it, why there's no early detection is always a big thing. People want to know about that. So they want more help and they want support and they want more research dollars. Mm-hmm. And um, what other kinds of support would people be looking for? People are looking for emotional support. They're looking to speak with, if they're a patient, they're looking to speak with someone who's been through a similar experience. There's certainly, and you know this very well, Libby, people want to talk to you as a survivor. They want to know what the secret is, what the magic formula is, why you survived, and, and is that an option open for them. Family members want to talk with other family members simply about coping. How do you cope with the stress? How do you make these sort of urgent decisions? How do you tell your family if you have young children? People wonder if they are going to be at risk. Can they be tested genetically for this? Those are some of the common questions we get asked. Yeah, and um, I do get a lot of 
calls, and, and frankly, I'm more than willing to, to talk to people if they want to talk about pancreatic cancer. Uh, but, but yeah, it, it's, it's a huge shock. And uh, again, you know, we want to hear from our listeners about your experience with this or with another cancer and um, what you make of it all and um, what it was like uh, going through, uh, I guess, what people call the journey. I'm not that fond of of that terminology. The number is 416-360-0740, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. You know, some of the statistics are just really difficult. You know, it it, um, is now the fourth leading cause of death from cancer in Canada. And the third in the U.S. Exactly. It has it, the third in the U.S. and if nothing changes, it will be the second leading cause of death from cancer by 2020 or before. And the reason is that it we're just not seeing the same advances as we do with other cancers where, where you see survival rates, you know, on a steadily upward trajectory which is a good thing. Uh, Dr. Zagopoulos, George, oh, what is so difficult about this cancer? Well, I don't think it's a cancer, uh, and that's what we've, uh, we've recognized over the last few years. Um, it's, it's more than one cancer. It's, uh, we use the word pancreas cancer, or the words pancreas cancer, to describe uh, a number of diseases. Um, we could take pancreas cancer, as you know, and subtype it or subclassify it into various um, forms. Some may respond better to treatments than others. Um, you know, your type yep. uh, was one that responded quite favorably. And, and as you know, uh, my interest in this type of, of cancer, this subtype of pancreas cancer, came on from, from seeing your success story. And it's, it's one form that we understand a lot better than other subtypes of pancreas cancer. Uh, with that, we have, we have taken uh, the research further and, you know, this, this grant uh, initiative across the country that Pancreatic Cancer Canada will be supporting uh, will look at that. And our goal is to try to um, subclassify or subtype pancreas cancers towards identifying uh, more precise treatments uh, for each subtype. I've, I've got that. But, but at the end of the day, you know, all other cancers also have subtypes. So you know, there are many different types of breast cancer. Uh, is it just a matter that the types of pancreatic cancer have not been identified, whereas breast cancers have? Or is it a matter that it is diagnosed so late? I think it's both. I, I think understanding the subtypes will let us uh, treat them better, uh, more precisely, and also earlier diagnosis. Uh, is, is helpful. It's a difficult disease to diagnose early. And one of the problems is that um, when it's diagnosed, it becomes what we call in medicine systemic. Uh, it's already likely spread to some capacity. Uh, and we know that surgery alone uh, is not the answer. Uh, we need effective chemotherapy to follow to make sure that whatever cancer cells have spread and have not yet formed growth. Uh, but are in the body, are mopped up and killed by good, effective chemotherapy. Uh, oh. I think that's 
that that's that is one of the important uh, keys to towards uh, fighting back and beating this cancer. Okay, um, so the other question that I I have with all of this, um, you know, um, it's so difficult to diagnose. Um, you know, would it be helpful if? If people had a better understanding of, uh, you know, what the pancreas does and uh, what normal is? Yes. Uh, yes. The answer to that is yes. Understanding normal physiology and, and uh, will, help you, will help scientists and physicians understand uh, subtle signs of when things go wrong. Um, the other important point is, is, is the paper that was published uh, by our by our collaborative group led by Stephen Gallinger in Toronto uh, that was in Nature last uh, month, which challenges uh, the dogma that uh, pancreas cancer develops over a decade or so. Uh, in some instances, it, uh, it becomes um, metastatic and has the, capa- has the capacity, I should say, to spread essentially overnight. Um, so there's not necessarily the lead time that we once thought that it, it does take a decade or so like colon cancer uh, to develop from a relatively treatable disease to one that is very aggressive. Um, understanding the pancreas uh, um, are, will help us identify the, the genes and, and that are um, altered in the development of pancreas cancer and perhaps allow us to, uh, to target them and develop new treatment uh, strategies. Yeah, that's, um, that's, that was very interesting uh, just to uh, explain that a little bit further. Uh, I remember a number of years ago there was a research that came out that said, you know, it can take 12 years to develop pancreatic cancer, and, and we just had other research that said it can be sort of like a big bang theory. Um, the other question that I have is that, you know, even for the lucky people who are diagnosed before the cancer spreads and, and they're able to get the surgery and chemotherapy, it comes back more than with other cancers. And do we know why that is? I think you gave the answer uh, just prior. You know, um, the, the more recent research shows that the cancer becomes a, fairly aggressive early on. In contrast to colon cancer, which we know takes, uh, for the most part, a good decade or so to develop from a benign lesion to metastatic cancer, and even when it spreads colon cancer and it goes to the liver, we can take out the the, the spread to the liver and, and there's a chance of cure. Uh, because we have uh, effective chemotherapy against, better chemotherapy against colon cancer to control the systemic part of the disease, the, the cells that may have uh, launched and, and are just waiting to develop into growths, and these are effectively killed by uh, better chemotherapy, and also because colon cancer is not as aggressive as, as pancreas cancer. In a sense, the, the genetic architecture of it is, is likely uh, less aggressive and has less uh, changes, genomic changes in it, uh, that um, uh, th- that allow the body to fight it off uh, better. So there's also a component of the immune system that helps us beat cancer, and, and perhaps pancreas cancer is one of those cancers where the body on its own cannot fight it off as as well as it can fight off other cancers. 
Mm-hmm. Are, are, are there any possibilities with, you know, the new immunotherapy to fight this disease? Yeah. So I think uh, one good example is, is if we look, we've learned a lot from hereditary cancers. Uh, this is how we've learned about That's subtypes the kind of I pancreas. Have. That's right, and and those by understanding the hereditary subtypes, we can then apply it more broadly into what we call sporadic uh, uh, forms that are that are similar. So, if we look at uh, Lynch syndrome, which is a form of colon cancer um, that presents in younger folks, um, within this syndrome. Uh, you, a patient can also develop uh, pancreas cancer. Uh, lin- patients with Lynch syndrome um, that have colon cancer, we feel, will respond to immunotherapy using these new inhibitors called checkpoint inhibitors. And the same applies to um, pancreas cancer. So forms of pancreas cancer that arise within the Lynch syndrome, uh, we feel, respond uh, to immunotherapy, and we each, all of our centers have one or two patients that have had success stories uh, with these new uh, inhibitors, immunotherapy and uh, drugs. Uh, we know in pancreas cancer, there are some pancreas cancers, when we look at their entire genomes, have what we think, what we call a high antigen, neoantigen load. So they, they have markers in them that tell us they are likely to uh, respond uh, to immunotherapy. And that is, that is an area of active uh, research and will be part of the research that we will be conducting um, in this grant supported by Pancreatic Cancer Canada. Okay, um, Michelle, uh, we have uh, very little time left. Um, pancreatic cancer doesn't get a lot of the research dollars, does it? It really doesn't. And it's when you're mentioning, talking about breast cancer earlier, the incredible research dollars that breast cancer has received over the last 20 years, you see the difference they've been able to make. And so that's very much what we're trying to do at Pancreatic Cancer Canada, is raise more funds for research. Okay, uh, let's take a call from Susan in Ajax. Hello, Susan. Hi, how are you? I'm fine. How are you? Uh, not too bad. Not too bad at all. Um, I was approached, and I... And I was talking actually yesterday to my oncologist and, and what what, I'm, what 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 is your diagnosis oh fourth stage pancreatic cancer oh dear i'm sorry to hear that um i am doing fine i have been almost 7 months without chemo and the cancer has been stable for that long oh that's so, great news yeah so i'm doing very well very well um but um uh, one of the things I thought I would bring up is rapid autopsy donation. And I came across this uh, at Princess Margaret, and I thought, and one of my comments, I guess, is as a pancreatic cancer patient, I believe my obligation is to research, to give my blood whenever I can. I gave my tissue after my Whipple, um, and at the end of life, I thought, what a great way to, you know, stick my tongue out one more time at the disease as to give my body up for pancreatic research through the rapid autopsy. And um, I wanted to put that out there. Um, and I'm just wondering if people have serious conversations about physically donating what they can to research. Um, well, 
Susan, uh, thanks for putting it out there. Um, I, I have to uh, admit that's not something that I've heard a lot about. We hear a lot about people giving their tumors, giving uh, mm-hmm. fluid, liquid, and um, that's all the time we have for this thing. But but you've put it out there, and I thank you, and I'm very glad to hear that your treatment is going well. Thanks well, so thank mu- you. Thanks so much for your call. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, and that is all the time we have for this segment. Uh, Many thanks to Michelle Capobianco, the Executive Director of Pancreatic Cancer Canada, and Dr. George Zagopoulos at McGill University in Montreal. Thank you to you both. Thank you, Libby. Thanks, Libby, and thank you for wearing your purple today. Okay. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.